The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to Dugout Study Hall, a remedial course in baseball stats and proud member of the Pitcherlist Podcast Network. I'm your host and expert layman, Matt Goodwin, and I am joined, as almost always, by your fake baseball economist, Alexander Chase. On this episode, we will be discussing the hope of a new year, the idea of a two-city split for a Major League Baseball franchise, left on base percentage and other important metrics, and taking a look at regression, both the kind you want to see and the kind you don't. And, of course, it would not be an off-season baseball podcast in 2022 without talking a little bit about the CBA as well. But before we get to all of that, Alexander, how you doing? You know, New Year, New Me, or something like that. Uh, how about yourself? <laughs> uh, well, there's a lot for me to talk about. I don't know if you want to pull at that thread. We'll be here uh, for the full hour just talking about what's new in my life. Uh, I'll give you the TLDR. Um, last week, uh, we welcomed uh, our new son into the world, our baby boy, our third child. So things in the Goodwin house are a little hectic. If y'all hear a baby crying in the background, that is not me subtly trying to add sound effects to uh, improve the listenability of the pod. That's real life potential uh, crying baby in the background. But my wife is graciously working hard to keep him quiet while we do this. So that's the biggest news in the Goodwin, Goodwin household. That's that seems like a whole lot more than I could possibly bring to this discussion about like actual new year. <laughs> there is no actual new mini me around my household or anything like that. Um, as far as I know, at least. Um, <laughs> I, think, I think you'd know. I, I suspect yeah. you would know. I, yeah, you're right. You're right. I, I, <laughs> you know, I, I, uh, I met my uh my uh, brother's uh, newborn son over Christmas break, and uh, the discussion was pretty exclusively whether or not he looks like me. Mm. Um, and, you know, I don't think that's quite the same as what you have going on. But... Oh, mine definitely looks like me. Uh, yeah. Well, that's good. Good. <laughs> uh, so, yes, anyway, um, I, I may yawn a few times as we move through this, or you might hear my face hit the desk in front of me. Uh, this is going to be a new frontier for our podcast over the next several weeks, but the good news is that, uh, we're going to be here with you for those next several weeks and into the preseason and then on into the regular season, uh, programming note, we are going to be back weekly. I believe the week of February 6th, whatever that the Friday is uh, of that week. Uh, so things are ramping up. We're getting ready for baseball season to come back. Um, yeah, uh, we have to talk about the weather, though, before we move into anything else, as it's contractually obligated. And on top of it, D.C., 
had some weather. So talk to me a little bit about what, what happened there besides what we might already know about the people who had to spend like 36 hours in their cars at 26 degrees on I-95. Yeah, my uh, my good friend Tim Kane definitely had a different experience than I did. Um, I was not <laughs> trapped on I-95 heading northbound somewhere around uh, Stafford, Virginia. Did not happen to me. I would never. Um, but yeah, we got somewhere in the realm of about nine inches on uh, Monday. That was supposed to be the day that I was supposed to fly back from California, and we had canceled that trip um, and gotten back into D.C. Uh, early because of like COVID stuff. And mm-hmm. I have never felt smarter in my life than uh, coming back early and not. <laughs> and you, you say a lot of smart things. So uh, that, that, that is, that's, that's very fortuitous that you beat that, uh, that storm back. Uh, we got a little bit of, of weather this week, too. Actually, I was in the hospital, uh, obviously, with, with the newborn uh, baby. And uh, we had some ice. And, and then we were trying to get out of the hospital as quickly as possible to beat a snowstorm, uh, which, as you can imagine is kind of a dicey thing when, when you're like, hey, I'd like to take this brand new human being that's less than a day old and get the heck out of here as soon as possible. Um, uh, luckily, we were able to do that. Everything checked out. Everybody was healthy and safe. Obviously, that's most important. But it's been a wild week. It's been a little bit a uh, little bit wonky up here, for not just for us, but especially, I think, in this house too. Um, all right. How about we talk a little baseball? What do you say about that? I think I'd be okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> we made it to baseball in under five minutes. I think that's, that's uh, admirable, especially for us. Yeah, um, yeah. So in terms of the new year, what are some of the things that you are uh, looking forward to, hopeful for, excited about? And, and, you know, we'll try and put that baseball spin. Cause that's, you know, why people are listening. You know, if you're asking me to be hopeful and kind and nice and forward looking, I'm going to say the word CBA in a nice voice. <laughs> I don't. What is that? We, I, I don't think we've talked about that before. Yeah. Um, we definitely have had the chance maybe to think about it at some point over the past couple months. We, I hope, have less time to think about it. And that's really my hope is that uh, that like date that like some people like Jeff Passan have warned or somewhere around Valentine's Day is like when we mm-hmm. should actually be warned. Uh, as we get closer to that, I would like to just like not have to worry because there are meetings and people are saying nice things and all of the scoops reporters are scooping out details of a potential CBA. Like, you know, they're minor league players who are being signed up just like to meaningless deals. Like that's the sort of scoops reporting I'm looking for in manifesting. So uh, yeah. um, not meaningless, but you know, I, we're currently getting all sorts of details about guys that um, I really would like to have the opportunity to play some Major League Baseball next year. And uh, yeah, that's that's what I'm manifesting. But I have like no specific positive saying them out loud thoughts on that because I just have like ejected it from my brain. And that's mm. been a really nice thing to start the year is just it like actually, letting it live outside myself. Yeah, it's probably the best thing to do with something that is kind of a drag you know if it sometimes i think you do need to just separate yourself and it it doesn't mean you're apathetic about it it just means for your own uh well-being thinking about things that upset you all the time is is not super great for you know your own physical and mental health um i do think it it makes a lot of sense that we haven't heard anything and that the two sides aren't really talking yet because there's it's really easy to stare down the a car that's coming straight at you when it's two miles away you know, there's no real need for them to be in any kind of uh, hurry or 
or, you know, um, show their hand or there's just no pressure yet. So it's not at all surprising that we haven't. It's just, I wish it would kind of just get off the to-do list so that we can focus on the baseball part. Yeah, I kind of feel like it's the the little speck on the horizon that's not moving. Um, Mm. It's not big enough to seem like it's about to hit us, but coming out so yeah i've shelved that um and i'm mostly trying to think about like the the sort of like silly and uh, frivolous things that i'm hoping for in this new year um did you know for example that last year Juan soto had a 0.999 ops so what i'm looking forward to in this new year yes okay so i'm looking for uh one soto to have a an ops of uh over a thousand uh, <laughs> is that dumb and frivolous enough for you? That's what I'm manifesting in this new year. Yeah, I, well, that's going to lead us right into our regression talk for later, right? That's, yeah, he has uh, to regress point, upward, right? Point zero 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 one. Yeah. Uh, you know, every every year it's it's nice to kind of think about what's coming. Um, you know, I, I I've said this a thousand times. I live in New England. And we do have a lot of seasonal change. And so like we're right in the middle of, uh, well, kind of more towards the beginning, I guess, but we're in the winter season and, you know, things are a little gray and things are a little cold. We had snow. Uh, it's nice to think about what's going to be coming in, in a few months when spring hits and it's baseball season and we can get back outside. And, um, you know, obviously with all of these things that have been going on for the last couple of years for health and safety wise and, and different versions of the, uh, of COVID and, all of the things swirling around that. My big hope for 2022 is that we are going to finally get to that that next rung on the ladder of our new normal. I don't think it's ever going to be exactly what it was before, um, but I, I do really feel like we we have it's achievable within the next six months, and that's my big hope. And, yeah. and in terms of like baseball, that means like very easily being able to go see baseball games and feeling comfortable, maybe finding a minor league game that I can take my five-year-old to, you know, and, and show her baseball in person for the first time. Th- those are the kinds of things that I'm really hopeful for um, because they're so important and they've been so absent. So, um, you know, having those constants in your life is really important. Baseball for obviously for us and for anybody listening is probably one of those things that, that has been a constant in our lives for a long, long time. So all of those things, that's, that's what I'm really hopeful for. Yeah. I mean, I always think as we have that sort of discussion, it's like, what things am I happy to leave behind? Um, people blowing on birthday cakes, pretty okay with, uh, not <laughs> yeah. having any of that it's in this year. not something we should have been doing anyway. Yeah, you know, um, so, um, yeah, I want more, let's say, dudes who barely throw fastballs. I think that'd be a fun thing if I have to, like, I want, like, a, a starting pitcher to, like, have a, a fastball usage of under, like, 25%. I want no birthday cake <laughs> candles. I'd like, well, I actually had a, a couple of good opportunities to drink my my preferred twenty five ounce Budweiser um, in a in Nats Park, but I'd like some more of those. You know, I, I feel like right now I'm I'm not necessarily going to say I'm like hopeful or anything because I don't default to that. But there are a lot of little things that I'm happy to be hopeful for, and uh, it's it's a fun place to be, um, especially because it's all off in the future and it's really cold outside right now. So it's yeah, just like yeah. you know, it's nice again, to think it's about. it's all a little speck on the horizon at this point in this early year. Sure. Um, all right. What do you say we do a little pass fail here to kick things off like in for reals? Oh, I guess. Okay. And I guess I have to take off that optimism hat now, don't I? 
Um, well, that depends upon your outlook on the idea of the Rays playing half of their home games in Tampa Bay and half of their home games in Montreal, uh, which is this, I'm sure everybody has heard at this point, this two-city plan uh, for for the, the Rays. Um, I have a feeling I know what you're going to say about this, but I'm going to let you go. <laughs> so I want to actually like, before I get too far into this, do you actually think that they'll ever play baseball in two different home parks in the same calendar year, like on purpose? I mean, aside from having to, like what they did with the Blue Jays or, or, you know, stuff like that. Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think anything is out of the realm of possibility. If there's, this is going to sound cynical, but if there's money to be made, or it's to the benefit of the decision makers, right? This isn't up to, uh, you know, the the middle relievers uh, of the Tampa Bay Rays. <laughs> you know, this is this is I don't up think to there's baseball a whole lot and that they can and choose owner- to do. Yeah, right. And, and ownership and all of that. So if there's if there's a benefit, um, I don't, I I wouldn't say that they that there's anything they wouldn't do if they felt that there was some sort of a benefit to doing it. I do I mean, do you want me to tell you whether I think this is a good idea before you go? You know, I, I think the question I have is not like whether or not I think it's a good idea, because I almost think that's like not the question they that we should be asking. It's the one they want us to ask. But I don't think that's actually like the terms they're playing in. And I think that's why. So this report came out the other day. Report's probably the word. There's like an open letter op-ed signed by like 40 business leaders in the Tampa Bay area. They're like, no, we're, we're in favor of this. Please. Please get this yeah. team out of our city for half of the year or whatever, which is just such a bizarre <laughs> stance. Um, and it's it's so like on its face kind of stupid that you like can't help but like dig under the surface a little bit. And you're like, you know, like, most people on this list are like people in like the property development world and people who could reasonably stand to make money on some sort of plan where they tell the city of Tampa Bay, hey, we promise we'll stay half time if you throw some money at our park. And, you know, same sort of people are also saying to see in Montreal, hey, we'll come to your city half time. You'll throw some money at a park. And eventually down the line, they're just kind of like trying to play two sides for suckers. It's, it's very clearly like not a matter of being good for Tampa Bay or the Rays. It's probably a matter of it's a good for it's good for like the idea of like, you know, like every other team turning their baseball team into a real estate apparatus or whatever. So like, it's just like this really magically stupid version of this though. And I just can't help, but find it funny. Um, and we'll see how many more people kind of take this sort of stuff at face value. But I think this is a nice sort of inflection point of, no, they're really serious about this. They're really trying to round people up. So, uh, I mean, I'm not failing the idea. I'm just saying like, failing of the execution of their attempt to like wash over it but Uh, i mean they're going to surprise us all when they go to nashville instead right um no actually (laughs) not seems smarter right like it it seems smarter to find a market that is going to support a team rather than trying to split time between two markets that have proven historically can cannot really support a team over the long haul um, there's a reason that the Expos are now the Nationals, you know, and and so I, I don't know. It's just it 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 seems odd, and like you said to to your point, it seems odd enough that you really gonna want to look at what it is that's that's kind of going on there. But here's the other piece of this, and it, it is something that we've talked about a lot, and and whatever it's worth saying again, 
Major League Baseball teams, in terms of cash flow, there's a lot of juice in the orange that doesn't really have to do with what we see in here and talk about in terms of where the money is coming from. Um, we see ticket sales, we see merch, we see TV deals. Um, uh, did I say ticket sales? Concessions. Those are the things that as fans we see and experience, right? Um, but there's a whole lot more. That's the tip of the iceberg in terms of of how people who own baseball teams make money. Um, and generate money and and gain wealth. And so to me, this just feels like somewhere along the line, somewhere beneath the surface of the water, this is an opportunity to make money. So my concern is if there is a way for the owner of the raise to increase some sort of business flow, cash flow thing that's beyond my comprehension or uh, at least isn't out in the open enough for me to be able to see and understand does that then incentivize another team in a similar market uh, or a sl even a slightly larger market to start doing those same things. And now I think you, I know this sounds like a slippery slope argument because it is, um, <laughs> but you know, I, I don't, I don't know that that's what you want. Do you even want three or four teams doing this? I don't know. I, I I think it stinks for fans of the team. And ultimately it feels like the fans of the team are always at the bottom of the pyramid. And really without the fans of the team, there's, <laughs> there's nothing. So I don't know. That's, that's where I guess I, I look at this and the glass is definitely half empty for me. So I don't, I don't like it just from the point of view that it feels icky. Um, and I don't, maybe it's not, but it feels like it is. So one of the, like the larger scale things that, you know, now that we have our optimism hat off and I don't have to like say nice <laughs> New Year's resolution -y things, um, I'm really hoping that the Tampa Bay Rays are just like the biggest losers of the CBA and that all of the rules essentially just nuke their way of life because nobody really benefits from it. Um, mm -hmm. Like all the things they do well, they could and would have to continue to do well if all of the things they take advantage of were no longer on the table. And, you know, like they would still be much better at getting people to be good at pitching. They would still be much better at like minor league, um, like talent identification and things like mm -hmm. that. Um, they just wouldn't be able to get away with trying to win while not spending any money. And then they'd probably have to spend some money. So like, I don't think there's any real argument that's like, we're protecting small market teams when we're enabling them to spend considerably less than they're capable of. So the idea of them probably making some other owners a little bit angry that they're doing some, something so like just out there, stupid, crazy can't help their case whenever they among all of the other like ownership groups have to squabble over whatever they want to be like the things that they're like arguing for and i would really love to see a world where like you know fenway sports group or whatever they're called and whoever else you know it says actually your chair is not that big we're gonna argue for this because it'll make us more money and you know i don't care if that means you lose five fewer games next year or you win five fewer games next year so that's my hope i'm hoping that all of this just is like a, a dramatic overplay of their hand in some like some cosmic way i don't know that'll happen but that is Surely that's my be. hope yeah 
Well, let, let me float this idea, and you tell me if you think I'm I'm nuts. Do you think that the Players Association would step in? I mean, obviously, depending upon what the new CBA says, would you? If you're a player, do you want this? Do you want your? Do you want three splits? Do you want home park one, home park two, and away? Do you want? I I don't know. Like I feel like there's a lot of variables here with all of this that could conceivably hurt players. And I, I don't know that the players would go for, I mean, would the, would the players association even be able to have a say in this, or is this just something that can be done separate from them? Do you know? I a thousand percent guarantee that this is already being used as leverage by them. I a thousand percent guarantee that they would have no shot at signing any free agents. Not that they're really trying that hard, but like they would have no ability to get people to sign. And a lot of players would not even travel. want to trade it there. Yeah, it was not just travel. It's like the idea is like part of the year you live what one city, and then summer hits and you move to a different country. Well, right. And then what happens during the playoffs? Like it, it's just really stupid. Are you getting the, paid in American dollars or Canadian dollars or or Dogecoin? I, I mean, I you know, guess it's it's where it's yeah, stupid, right. All, no matter what. It's like the whole thing. It just feels like there's a, again, the below the surface of the water, you know, there's all of these logistics and these dominoes that fall based on doing something like that, that just complicate it to a degree that it, it can't possibly be worth it unless somebody is benefiting significantly from it somewhere along that food chain. Right. Yeah. It's the argument, and I should quote sources because the first person I know who made this specific point is, is that like, undoubtedly the team themselves uh, this is Craig Calcaterra's point uh, from his cup of coffee newsletter uh, this morning around Monday it is they're not probably planning themselves to do this they're just hoping that they can string people along quick enough that at some point when they both got their chips pushed halfway in they can say all right the other side's ready to push them all the way in are you are you city of Tampa if you're going to give us a full stadium a brand new one because if not we're heading to montreal and like that's gotta be what it is yeah and it, this is just like a new take on the but if you're doing that don't to... you want to bring in a city that feels more like i don't know if somebody if they call your bluff and then you're like oh, okay i guess we're going to montreal <laughs> i don't know it feels like there's a better place to to make that uh stance or or well, you know i don't know i put it this way the uh the ownership group for the tampa bay rays they're not moving to montreal <laughs> okay i guess it still doesn't seem like in terms of like your leverage i i don't know i don't know i, I guess that's the end of all this right is is i don't know but it's uh, uh i hope that that it doesn't come to fruition for whatever reason because i think it's just too wonky and weird i mean if you look at what the blue jays had to do last year because of the complications and i mean that was for a legitimate health and safety reason and you know canadian law uh all of those things that were going on that they had to play a bunch of their home games not in their own home stadium um and it it i don't know it was weird i i don't know were you okay with that were you a fan of the the blue jays situation was it like I, exciting like i need to see this again i no, obviously i i think also that i can just kind of like separate that out is like any attempt to try to compare that is probably only either being made because it's just the most recent thing or if you're trying to sell oh, it as a good thing it's probably in bad faith like yeah there's just no way other than that sort of like way of looking at things that you can like say hey remember that team that like didn't play in front of any fans for a bunch of the year and then played in a <laughs> tiny little park 
and finally got to play at their home stadium and stop living out of a hotel room like halfway through the year like that totally didn't hurt their chances of making the playoffs so um yeah, yeah i mean they almost good job they with almost the blue jays did, <laughs> right i mean imagine if they didn't have to deal with all that you, you win five more games and and even two pictures different you know it's just i don't know it just seems very very silly um, all right, we don't need to beat that dead horse. I think we both uh, have very clearly said, please don't do that. Um, we are going to do a numbers of the week uh, segment, but before we get to that, we are going to need to step away and take a very small break. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PO Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show and we are back for numbers of the week. Uh, in this case, it's number of the week, I guess, right? We're going to talk about a single number and use that as kind of a gateway to a larger conversation, Alexander. Absolutely. I, I love gateway numbers. Um, the federal government <laughs> warned us about them, but I can't be stopped. <laughs> well, Alexander putting on his rebel hat. Um, so this is something that I actually uh, tweeted about. Uh, this is Monday we're recording. So I tweeted about this. Uh, I think it was started last night and went till this morning. And um, it was an interesting factoid I, I found as I was just clicking through fan graphs as one sometimes does. Uh, and that's Robbie Ray's uh, left on base percentage strand rate is it's also called sometimes um, was 90.1%. I have that correct, right? From my, my yes, recollection, 90.1%. Now I'm going to tell a small story. Uh, one, because I want to shout out a buddy, uh, Zach, Blaine. Uh, he's at Zachman285 on Twitter. Good buddy of mine, really smart baseball mind. And uh, he told me that he was listening to our podcast uh, last season when we brought up the fact that John Means at that time had a 100% strand rate. Uh, and that was just kind of one of those funny things that I had found so that we could we could talk about it in more of a, a light way. And he heard that and was like, okay, well, I'm going to act on that and actually was able to kind of make a trade uh, before John Means came back down to earth a little bit. So I, I think there's a lot to talk about in terms of this number. Um, yes, it's it's ex an extreme number. It's a huge outlier. So just to put it in context, it's it was the league leader among qualifiers from Fangraphs. Um and it was the only number. So Robbie Ray was the only pitcher among those qualifiers. So just of those 39 pitchers that, that qualified, it was two standard deviations above their mean for strand rate. Um, so a significant outlier. There were only, I think, four pitchers who had a strand rate even over 80 or 80% or higher. Um, so I guess what this leads us into is, is this discussion of 
can you be an outlier? Can you be two standard deviations above the mean because you're two standard deviations better than the rest of the league at something? And if so, that would make it a more sustainable number. Uh, Or when you are two standard deviations above the mean, it's almost a guarantee that you're going to regress back toward that mean. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean in this one particular stat that somebody's going to be significantly worse or they're not going to be good or they're not going to be worth whatever. Um, But I would certainly bet if I was putting money down that Robbie Ray is going to give up more runs next year uh, (laughs) because I don't think you're going to be able to strand that many people two seasons in a row. So uh, he might be more likely to be at the top of the league because of the skill set. Is he going to be able to maintain that strand rate? I mean, you'd have to say if you're betting the over under at ninety point one percent, you have to pick the under. <laughs> you, you have to. So, um, so I, I think it's an interesting discussion to just talk about how can these outliers help us because sometimes it feels like they're telling us a really important story, like this is now a breakout or this was something that we want to pay attention to because this is based on skill and the reason Vlad is two standard deviations above the the mean for things is because he's two standard deviations better than everybody at hitting baseballs. Um, or is it the other thing? And so how do we, how do we look at regression? Both, both people who had bad years regressing up um, people who had great years, maybe regressing down towards the mean. How do we know when there's going to be regression when there's not how, make some sense of this for us, Alexander. Okay. So I want to first um, really give Robbie Ray some props because like, it's not just as crazy as you've put it. It's crazier than that. Uh, I went ahead really quickly and pulled um, the fan graphs leaderboard for uh, left on base rate for all qualified pitchers in the past decade. And 2021 Robbie Ray is the only pitcher to do it uh, in terms of 90%. Um, pretty much everyone else at the top of the leaderboard in like the mid upper 80s are people who like won the Cy Young, not- notably. Yep. Um, so 2019 Verlander is really high. Um, he's second. Um, third is 2018 Blake Snell. Uh, we've got some peak, uh, Kershaw years, uh, eighth though, Robbie Ray, Arizona, 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that all of the guys at the very top of the leaderboard, other than 2015, Zach Granke, uh, which is like a really funny name up here. And there's a Mike fire season. <laughs> yeah, I keep looking at this. Actually. There's a Doug Fister season. <laughs> wow. This is funny. You see a lot of people who are big outliers on this who had really great seasons but a lot of them are also guys who strike a lot of guys out yeah um and i just want to say when you let fewer people on base you allow yourself a little bit more room for um things to be weird i would also say separately a lot of these guys on this leaderboard um like the strikeouts i think do matter because if you're allowing people on base and then immediately striking the next guy out um, you're gonna create situations that are going to inflate your left on base rate. Well, on the can other I just end jump of- in for one more one thing, really, really quickly. I'm sorry to derail your train of thought. Um, how in this case, because we've talked about this in terms of like hard hit rate, right? The same concept that if you are a pitcher who's not letting that many people get on base, is your strand rate maybe a little bit more prone to fluctuation because you have smaller samples right am i am i saying this right you're on the right path but i just wanted to say like let's take the idea of you have control over this and just kind of laugh it out the window a little bit okay a lot of these guys who are exceptionally above average on this in multiple years it's because they're just 
exceptionally good players playing in front of great defenses in situations that are just going to lead to this happening. Like that's part of it. You see a lot of these guys, like they won the Cy Young. They probably also had gold glove defense behind them and they struck out a lot of guys. Those are conditions that can conspire to let you be way, way above average in a peak career year. Like you have to be Clayton Kershaw or Justin Verlander good. I think in most cases, fingers crossing here to be able to repeat this multiple times. Um, And Robbie Ray is kind of a weird outlier in that he's them except for when people make contact <laughs> in certain <laughs> prior years. Um, so I don't actually, I don't know where I kind of feel about him in a lot of these ways. He's he's confusing to me, and that's why I think he's so interesting. That's why I wanted to bring this question back up on the pod. Um, yeah. Now the question I have that I think is more um, wild is like, if you're Robbie Ray and you actually do have some sort of science to this, like let's say you're a different person when you have someone on base like you have a different pitching game plan like maybe that's sustainable i know that um guys with luis garcia for the astros kind of acted Mm. in the opposite direction where he was really bad pitching out of the um stretch because he couldn't rock the baby couldn't channel the uh the baby energy yeah 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 so like maybe there is something to this but we also know from like doing year over year analyses of this that it's not very sticky at all the people fall back to earth and like yeah there are a couple things that can influence it but we're talking like very little control so a lot of the guys who have popped up here popped up once and then kind of fell back into obscurity it's really worth paying attention to and um like the model that i built for era that i'm still playing with but i kind of trust enough to look at has robbie ray had like a three three pitcher going forward based off of this year's season being his true talent level that's not okay. like the if you uh, if you buy into that premise yeah 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 that, that's not the 284 but like that's like what if we just adjusted his strikeout walk and hard hit numbers so if i gave you his over under at 4.10 you're taking oh, I take the, the under. under i take the under for sure um but the other thing is like he's done that before like robbie ray's been good before Sure, had, and he's also had like a six seven, right? Yeah, well, he's he. That's the thing is like I do think that the changes he made are are, are real ish, that are a sure. product of actual decision making in addition to some good luck. So I'm not. Yeah. I want to be clear. I'm not knocking Robbie Ray. I don't. He he's the kind of player right now for me and the type of fantasy player I am that it's hard for me to invest in just because I think his range of outcomes is pretty wide. Even if even if you buy into the changes he made last year, you know, there's it seems to be like a lot of stuff that also went right for him on top of him doing right things. Um, I guess what I'm I think what he's giving us here is the opportunity to talk about or ask the question like is is strand rate like it sounds like a lot of the guys that are really, really at the top of of their game are going to have high strand rates because they're high strikeout. They're very effective on the mound. So when and, you and good see defense. that, don't forget that. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, when you see that number, should that be something that signals to you that if you see that in April and May, that this is something good, or is it is it just whatever? That's just what has happened. Is it is it like a a descriptive, not predictive? Does it give us any useful information? For me, it feels like like the pitcher's babip. Like not not the BABIP that a pitcher gives up, but like if you look at BABIP for a hitter, this kind of feels like that. Where like you look at somebody who has a high BABIP and you have to ask the question, is that because of the type of player that they are? 
that they're going to have a higher BABIP than you would expect? Or is it a signal that they're playing a little above their heads and they're going to come back down to earth a little bit? And I think that's a really hard thing to tell. And I guess that's that's my overall question. And maybe the answer is we don't know. Um, but what's, how would you go about trying to figure that, figure that out? Let me, um, let me make a comparison. I think that piggybacks off of your, um, BABIP scenario. So, uh, 2020 short season, um, Juan Soto batted like, I know, some, we know, nine, ridiculous. nine, nine, no, 2020, not 2021. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry, yeah, yeah. sorry, sorry. Yeah. So like, uh, <laughs> Just in the shortened season, yeah, he, uh, his OPS was like 11 something, uh, cause he batted like 360 with something stupid like that. His bet maybe it was like 340 and then he had like a babbit around 360 i think that's what it was i'm not pulling it up um but <laughs> i'm not um, the concept remains the same that's fine right right he's got the sort of skills you know hits the ball hard a whole lot um left-handed which helps a little bit for babbit you know he's not super slow and those will all conspire to give you a good baseline babbit and then he just had a spike season like in terms of like rate numbers that year i think that's kind of what we're looking at in a lot of these cases at the top of this leaderboard there are a couple of things that in the long run you can do to give yourself a slightly better number but other than that it's just all like just tossing stuff to the wind there are a whole lot of guys who are on these leaderboards who've had bad seasons um i don't even have to look that far to find them and i think the most interesting thing to say is like what can we learn about the types of numbers that are similar to left on base rate that have a huge impact on things like ERA and WOBA, but like players don't have very much control over? What can we learn from his situation that it can make it easier to analyze people who are in similar situations who maybe didn't win a Cy Young, so weren't as obviously on our radar as like pop up, maybe this isn't sustainable sort of situation. Um, and there are a couple elements that are really obvious there. So like you don't have to think very hard about what makes you know the number the percentage of people that you allow on base be kind of like um probably pretty well tied to how many of them score usually so if you're like wildly out of line there it probably falls back to earth um yeah we put on out robbie right there's a couple other people who fit into like a similar we should have them on their radar and like let's throw it in the other direction so um obviously we lifted him out as a guy who's a good outlier but there's some other guys who are like the bad side outliers like there's no way this repeats based off of their true talent Aaron Nola is a really big standout in that sort of situation mm-hmm. and Aaron Nola had uh, I don't know if you're someone like Nick Pollock who like wants to tell me about his underlying skill set like he didn't have his best year in all of those sorts of things but I think the way that you have to like think about that then is like was his left on base rate really really bad because when he had a bad day he had a really bad day and i think that's kind of what it was to a degree um so he's sub- yeah right because you're looking at season long stuff right so if you have three days where you uh you get let let eight guys on and all eight score mm-hmm. that's gonna have a huge impact on your math right? you know over the course right, it's right. Not, you, it's not you like you're looking for a median yeah you're looking at an overall percentage so yeah, that you, makes sense. You don't have to be able to do the math to be able to know how the math is going to work there. So he had a 4-6 right. ERA, and he had, this is so funny, I'm looking at this on Fangrass, he had a 3-3-7 XERA, FIP, and XFIP. So all of them agree, and I, I remember I ran him through my model, and he was like somewhere in that same range as well. Like, you could do the same thing for, I think, Sierra, and he's not far off from those numbers. And that's like a full run below the ERA he had last year. It's because of things like his left on base rate looking really bad because a couple blow up outings 
you figure that doesn't happen and he's probably an obvious bounce back uh, candidate you look at the rest of the guys who are kind of on the bottom end of this leaderboard you know league average here for being 75 percent. these are people who are below 70 um and some people dramatically so there's some interesting names i don't know how much i buy into a chris paddock revival but he had a 60 percent left on base rate that is hideous and just almost unbelievable matt harvey was the only player worse than him in that regard and there's a lot of not pretty names at the bottom of this board like you say like eric fed and uh actually ryan yarborough who's a guy i've been kind of like interested in a long time he's at the bottom of this board because you're in like Mills, the... like it's icky at the bottom yeah it feels like the bottom of the board is more in line with not necessarily being a great pitcher than it is the top of the board means you're necessarily great, but those names at the top are pretty pretty intense names. I mean, I don't want to take up our whole pod talking about this, but it's very intriguing to me because it feels like one of those things that like you could convince yourself of either thing, right? This means that he's very good or it's unsustainable and he's going to come back down to earth. And they both are scenarios that can make perfect sense. I, I think if you kind of just tell yourself it's probably 20% skill and 80% luck, you're probably not far off. And I don't have those numbers on here, but it, it feels like that's probably but it the is case. gonna it is gonna have a huge impact on ERA. Right, right. And and if you can find the couple of guys who are like, no, I can tell the real life story about what sure. the assumptions we typically make about you know being wrong here, which we can for Aranola, it tells a much different story. And then if you want to take it a step further, like he's a guy I'm sure I'll draft. But there's some other guys down here that I think are somewhat interesting in terms of like, again, they're demonstrating some interesting skills like logan gilbert shows up as a pretty high strikeout rate which is an outlier for this part of the board but he had the 17th worst season among at this point i lowered it down to 100 innings pitched in 2021 mm -hmm. so we get like 150 guys so yeah he had a really bad season in terms of left on base rate andrew heaney similar sort of situation if you can believe that the strikeouts are real and that maybe a better defensive situation or maybe some better game planning or just some you know growing up i guess if you're like a rookie's case <laughs> maybe things go better um and that's the thing that i'm really monitoring is i'm drafting a whole lot of these guys that i believe in the talent maybe i believe a little bit in the defense getting better and their left on base rate is bad so that's like a you don't have to list every guy off it's really easy to pull yourself it's like on fan graphs it's pretty easy to find and you know you, you can go find that new darling of yours pretty easily yeah, okay there. i want to do two things quickly before we move on to our next like regression-y topic and, and idea I'm going to give you what Steamer has for Nola and Ray for their left on base percentages for next year. And I want you to tell me, I'll give I'll actually give you their, their uh, 2021 number and Steamer's projection. And you tell me what story you think that tells. Sure. So for Nola, um, let me just make sure I'm actually on Nola's page here. Aaron Nola, I am on the right page. <laughs> uh, his, his left on base percentage for 2021 was 66.8. Steamer has him next year at 74.4. Uh, yeah, that's like pretty much league average. I would actually, I would take the, I would take the over. I think that he could be above seventy five percent. He's the what sort of guy. What does it mean for his performance? Like, so if I'm looking at him in a five by five, where is that? If he does, let's say he hits seventy six, nice, right? Like a ten percent yeah, yeah. improvement. What does that mean in terms of of like? And you can obviously go and see the steamer projection for ERA is three five seven, but like, is it have an impact anywhere else, or is it just kind of a number? I mean, it obviously brings on his whip. This is the sort of thing where it's like, I think he 
is a good candidate relative to the field to beat his projections because his now steamer's smarter enough smart enough here to not just take his era from last year but like i think that he could do better than that and further i think there are going to be a lot of people who are going to be scared off of him so he doesn't even have to beat his projections by all that much or, yeah because of where he's going to go exactly and yeah, those yeah. are the sorts of guys where you you can find the scared opposition or like you can unscare yourself <laughs> yeah sure <laughs> and that okay. might be all it takes I'm going to give you raise numbers because they're a little bit more dramatic. And again, this is a projection. And I I do think that Steamer likes to kind of start at the average and then make some changes from there. So I think this makes some sense in terms of what they're projecting. I I don't know how you feel in terms of what raise potential is to outperform this. But so last year left on base percentage, 90.1. Steamer's projection for next year, 76.4. It's a significant difference. Yeah, it is. And again, he's the sort of guy that we would probably want to bet the over on. He's he's headed to uh to Seattle now, right? I'm not crazy. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um yeah, I I mean, I don't think of Toronto as like the literal greatest defensive team ever and he had some yucky parks there for a minute. So, I don't know. I I think that's about right. It's not insane to guess the over, but again, like I think that for both of these guys, their guys I would pin down at around 76%. That's as aggressive as I'd go. A f- almost 15% drop. I feel like that's going to have an impact. Yeah, I will say another thing is that Ray had that really, really outlier crazy left on base rate. and He's still at a bad home, home run rate. Um, if the home runs come down and more of the guys who just get on base because of singles and doubles score, I mean, it's not going to wash out. But there are effects going in both directions there. That's the one thing I think that makes me think that he's not going to just like fall off a cliff is that like he had the season while still having some warts. And, um, yeah. you know, as long as we're not crazy, like mid threes, mid low threes is not out of the question if we generally believe in Seattle to keep things up. All right. One more thing. And then I'm moving off Robbie Ray, but it's not about left on base percentage. It's about where he's going. I'm going to give you some names, and I'm going to give you their ADP. I looked this up today, again, Monday, January 10th, um, and I, this is also something that I tweeted out. Uh, we've got Nola going 41.5, Ray 45.8, Sale 51, Peralta 56.7, and Webb 57. Of those guys, who is giving you the best value? Because, it, honestly, if you're picking right there, not all those names are coming back to you. So if you're deciding between that crop of pitchers, Nola, Ray, Sale, Peralta, Webb, who's your guy? I mean, it's Sale. I I, I put it this way. Um, you're not going to finish in the middle of the pack as often, I think, if you're taking Sale there. And I I like that. I really like Peralta, though, if you're not in that case. Like, he just sparkles in terms of all of the under-the-hood stuff. He wasn't just striking people out. He was also inducing a lot of soft contact. Like, just everything you'd want to see for sustainability. I also really like the fact that he's going to play again in front of a really good defense. Like, everything is conspiring there to make him the sort of guy that can repeat um, what he did. Like, nothing about his success looked fake. Um, So I really like him. You know, that's... There's a lot of good choices there in the 50s. There's a couple of guys in there that I like. 
I would consider having around my top 10 and often the top 10 pitchers are usually gone by what like mid 30s so like that's some good value I'm interested to see how that all shakes out well yeah I mean ADP is obviously going to change as, as draft seasons kick into higher gear and a lot of that's driven to by by uh very format specific leagues that are being drafted on NFBC right now um, mm-hmm. but anyway, it's, it's, it's interesting to consider, you know, if you're talking about Nola and, and Ray, and we have now ad nauseum, um, they're going not that far apart from one another. So who, who's your horse, you know, who do you believe in more coming from opposite sides of this left on base percentage issue? It's, I don't know. I just thought it kind of all ties it into a nice bow. What are some other elements of regression that uh, that we should be looking for as we're ramping up our, our 2022 draft season prep? So um, we talked a bit there about, um, you know, people being on base and not fluky. That is um, how little control you have over that as a pitcher, you know, kind of what happens once they're already there. And the stat that I've been keeping, a tra- keeping track of for a while uh, has been, I guess it's kind of two stats together, and that's line drive rate and sweet spot rate. And this is much more for hitters, I want to admit, but definitely can be a thing to watch out for for pitchers as well. The basic idea is this. It's really, really hard to hit a round ball with a round bat. Yeah. And that means <laughs> it's really, really hard to reliably hit it at the same sort of like launch angle. Um, so the fact that we talk about average launch angle is really funny to me because like it doesn't actually make sense. Like you're not hitting it there very often. People's like spray distributions are wild. So like instead of talking about it that way, it's smarter to talk about it like ground ball, line drive, fly ball, and I guess pop up, you know, and how so often you're in all those things. Right. 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 Yeah. And it's just really, really hard to sustainably hit line drives is the whole point. Sweet spot rate kind of takes line drive rate and some other stuff and kind of like adds some more caveats, uh, but like also takes them away. I think it's slightly bigger. Yeah, it's slightly bigger than line drive rate. So it's like also includes some like really nice primo fly balls. Um, Mm, So I guess it's not fancier. It's just like a slightly different distribution. But both of them are like the stuff you want to hit. The um the expected batting average on these things is like 500. Your ex woba on these things is like 700. These these are the this is the contact you want to make almost regardless of how hard you're hitting it. Um, mm. Hard hit line drives, hard hit sweet spot balls. Those are like like hard hit sweet spot is pretty much bar- barrel, but can be lower. Like these are so this is the good stuff, right? Refresh my memory. EV in, involved in at all in line drive, right? No, no, it's not. It's not for right. either of these. It's just think. angle. And again, round ball, round bat, you don't have a lot of control over that. Um, that didn't mean to rhyme, but I guess it does. Uh, so there's like a <laughs> we'll couple of guys. A t-shirt. Yeah, there's a couple of <laughs> guys who have sustainably shown themselves to be a little bit better than average. Like Freddie Freeman is like really good at hitting baseballs. He usually has a slightly higher than line drive rate than average. And that means he's like close to 30 rather than in like the mid 20s line drive rate. So this right. is a stat that matters a whole lot. It is not sticky. That is exactly what you're looking for when you're trying to find who's going to regress. Now, the nice thing about this is you don't have to like do savant search to pull this. You can go to the Statcast like leaderboards and like pull a custom leaderboard where you just click on line drive rate and sweet spot rate, and you can find those outliers. It is so nice. So I, I I'm going to pull today like uh, a 200 minimum PA qualifier, and I'll update that real quick. And then just going to like from the top of the line drive rate, you can find some guys that you should be a little bit scared that aren't necessarily going to be able to keep things up. And it's uh, really interesting. Like you go and pull that 
It's guys like Adam Frazier were really, really high on their line drive rate last year. Of course they were. Have you seen his batting average? It's insane. <laughs> um, Miles Straw, by the way, some, you find some slap hitters in here. I just want to be honest. Like you, you might find a couple of those guys. But again, I'm, I'm not necessarily betting the over on Miles Straw. Uh, Nick Castellanos is really high up here as well. He's kind of, again, in that sort of is he really good at hitting baseballs or did he get lucky? He was definitely lucky this year for a while. He was like batting 350 for a while with the Reds for the first couple of months. Just he and Winker just mutilating opposition while the rest of the lineup was just asleep. So these are guys you should be a little bit um, wary of. But, you know, once you're beyond like 27, 28, it's not that big a deal. So for someone like Frazier to be at like 31, that's bad. Um, Pulling that for sweet spot rate, you can find some other guys that are like way higher than you think they would be. Nick Castellanos is there. Uh, Kyle Tucker is there a little bit. He's at 42%. And this is, again, uh, I've got like a leaderboard with like 200 is the minimum PA qualifier. So you've got 100, yeah, like 360 people. So the top um, 15 or so are the guys you're like really worried about. Um, Joey Votto, 44%. That's just wildly unsustainable. But he was just crazy smoking the ball and you have to be thinking that that stuff's kind of related so these are guys like again pretty easy to pull it pretty easy to like have some questions just asking questions here sort of sort of vibes um how can how can i maybe take line drive rate and see if and not just assume that if it's over 27 percent? like i know that you said that like it's not necessarily a skill i totally i get that um and I, I have to imagine that even though exit velocity and hard hit rate is not calculated into line drives, when you're hitting the ball harder, you're going to get certain angles, right? I mean, I you've got the other way around, actually. When okay. you're hitting tell it me, at certain angles, you're yeah. more likely to be getting all of the juice out of your swing. And it might actually be inflating how hard you're hitting okay, it. Okay, so average. so like you have your nifty like hard hit per PA tool, right? Mm-hmm. Is that something you have handy that you can just click up real quick? It doesn't take me that long. Just, uh, I just want you to look at, at at Castellanos and tell me again. This is this is. I'm not being critical of any of this. I think what you're saying makes a lot of sense. I I think that the math holds true, and I think that that sometimes there might be those 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 guys like we were saying with left on base percentage and Babbitt. Like there are like a Freddie Freeman who's because he seems to be doing it every year at some point you have to kind of say maybe he is just a little bit better at at uh you know with his swing plane or he sees the ball a little bit better um because castellanos he he had i mean he he didn't strike out a ton um which i, I know it, those don't seem like they're correlated but you know somebody who is it's just kind of freewheel swinging around, right? You, you think would probably strike out a lot more. So I don't know what what did you find? Did you find your thing? So uh, I I have I have that up like as like a default search in my in my tab is what I say. Like I I have it bookmarked. Okay, I, good. Uh, it, yeah. I haven't cheated. I was though. talking a little bit to try and give you some time there. Oh, you're good. Yeah, no, I have okay. it, I have it bookmarked. <laughs> um, yeah, actually, I I pulled up. You you brought up uh, Freddie Freeman, and I I want to say like. You can think comparably about this sort of stuff. Is the same way we all kind of have to wrap our heads around Kyle Hendricks. Do we believe that we can bet on people to be the next Kyle Hendricks? No, that's irresponsible. Sure, right. like he beats all of these estimators every year until he doesn't. Right, it's kind of like the thing with, mm. and like for someone like Freddie Freeman, like he had a career low sweet spot rate last year at thirty seven percent. Um, 
league average for this stuff is like 32.9%. Like this dude is reliably beating it. One of the ways you beat that, yes, is going to be by having a, a swing plane that's more adjusted for it. You're also going to be mm-hmm. able to do it by having a good eye. Uh, guys like uh, uh, Omar Narvaez also sh- show up really high on these sorts of things. And he's kind of like the key to mentally unlocking this for me. And the, he relies on like a, a low power B swing sometimes where it's like he's really good at the two strike approach. Gotcha. And like yep. some of those guys I think might show up more. You can flip it all ahead. Who never swings like they have two strikes? Those guys are going to be a little worse. But at some point, if you're dramatically out of line, especially with your career averages, is I think a really easy way to think about it. Mm-hmm. If um, out of nowhere, Miles Straw is suddenly 10 points higher than he's ever been in this, you're betting for regression. And that's the sort of like, this is a number where you pull the whole leaderboard, you find the guys that are out of whack, you go do just a tiny bit more. Has he done this before? Am I willing to buy into it a little bit? Maybe you can you talk yourself into it. Um, but, you know, like for Freddie Freeman, even, you know, at some point things come back down to earth for him. Like this past year, he had a pretty good year, mind you. It's 25% line drive rate, which is pretty much like league average. 32% career. I want to note his monster 2020, he was at a 40% line drive rate. If you were betting on him to repeat <laughs> last year and you like bought him at like the peak on the draft day, I don't think you got back full ball value from him last year. He still had a good year, but like 31 home runs, um, 200 combined RBI, and like a 300 batting average is still pretty good, actually. Dang. Yeah, he didn't, even have to, he didn't even have to be his best self to still be good. So that's, oh my God, Freddie Freeman's so good. Someone should pay him a lot of money, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think to for hitters. continued on that. Yeah. yeah, for hitters, I think, like, it's definitely one of those cases where, like, um, if I remember, I think it was, I'm trying to remember who it was. Was that Max? Um, yeah, it was Max Bay. Now, now gone to the Astros, pulled some of these charts a few months ago. And he's like, what's the year-to-year correlation on these things? And it was like... 0.0 basically it's like aside from the super outliers this stuff just doesn't repeat and that's the sort of like stuff that you're looking for to make you reliable say okay if someone's way out of line you gotta really be doing some gymnastics to think that it's it's for, for real so then let's flip that around for a minute then if you're saying does that mean that maybe then nick castellanos hard hit per PA is going to come down because he's going to hit fewer line drives. So he's going to square it up less often. Yeah, that's not crazy. Like, I think that he's the sort of guy where you have to be just a little bit concerned that even the raw power numbers are going to become down a little bit. And I, I have to imagine you bake a little bit of that in. But, like, for example, his sweet spot rate last year, 44. Again, that's 12 points above league average. That is ridiculous. And yeah, I mean, he's really unlocking some stuff. But again, like, this is a guy who, you, even if he's been doing this reliably, like there's still some career elements in there. I do think that Nick Cassianos is the sort of archetype of he's shown it. I'm willing to buy it a little bit, but like maybe not that much all the time. Not bring it down a notch or two is kind of my thought for him. He's like, I'll bet him to be in the 75th percentile, but I wouldn't bet him to be in the 90th. Does that make sense? Yeah, like no, for strikeout sure. guys, you bet on it. He's like, going to be good, but he might not be quite as good as he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's fair enough. I want to hit you with three uh, kind of rapid fire questions, um, and we're going to try and answer them here inside ten minutes. Okay, and if inside five, that's fine too. Um, and it kind of, I think, brings this whole discussion maybe to uh, a conclusion. 
how can I tell the difference between an outlier and a breakout? Um, I want skills growth and a breakout. The things that we call skills are like pretty specifically like how often do you strike people out or strike out? That is going to be reliable really quickly. Same for walk stuff. Um, the ability to show a whole new level of power where you previously have had contact that's impressive so it's like um i think of guys like kyle tucker broke out this year he was a little bit lucky in some ways but he also struck out considerably less like that's mm. skills growth it's a breakout right. i should also say just a, a sidebar for kyle tucker i know he was one of the top of like the line drive stuff he was also super unlucky in terms of balls and play for line drives and other hard hit balls like he had like luck going in both directions he's just good um but those are, those are the sort of things where like if you want to know those are the sort of things I'm, I'm sprinting to first the most reliable stuff first and that's actually why i like things like like uh hard contact right hard hit per pa is i'm trying i'm trying to rebrand it there we'll see if that happens probably won't. <laughs> um but yeah like if, if a pitcher is reliably generating soft contact it takes like a couple hundred pa to get that but eventually we can see that's different from like this guy's successful because nobody's hitting line drives against him and nobody's scoring once they reach base. One of those right. is skills and one of those is John means no hitter. Or one <laughs> of them could be it's six weeks into the season and they haven't played in uh, the toughest competition in the league. Right, 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 right. Uh, all right, I'm going to ask you another question that's the flip of that and I'm going to guess the answer is going to be the same, but uh, I'm still going to ask it. And that is how can I tell the difference between an off year and a an actual decline in skills? Okay. Like Rizzo. Is Rizzo washed? How do we know? <laughs> Man, that's a fun question that I would really like for like teams to pay me money or something like that to tell them. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, part of that's definitely skills step like decline. And, and, you know, the places that we typically see people decline as they get older are going to be in like that bat speed sort of thing where you'd start to strike out just a little bit more every year so you notice that mike trout strikeout right has just gone up a little bit year over he's also changed his approach though so like mm -hmm. those are the things you kind of gotta be a little bit wary of but like let's look at let's look at rizzo why not um so yeah strikeout rate looks pretty remarkably similar his at the lowest it was 12 percent. he's now at like 15 um he walked less probably a little bit of less reproach um but yeah there's like some interesting questions here's like the max exit velocity basically the same as ever was so is he hitting the ball as hard as often doesn't seem like that's the problem and then you go into things like well max is line I mean, drive to be rate fair, just max crater. only has to happen once right right but so you think frequency yourself, could be less but right i'm i'm just being a little bit of a nitpicker there right what he's capable of seems sure. like it hasn't changed much it's not like his his arms cannot swing a bat and hit a ball that fast anymore they still can do it because they did it at least once yes yeah, yeah, yeah. i mean it's, it's, there are some legitimate questions about whether or not we should care about max like, the velocity as much as we seem to mm -hmm. but it, i'm at least willing to say like look he had a ball 115 miles an hour he hadn't done that before in his career um in the sure. cast era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. i i think he's i think probably we use that one because average is so deeply flawed yeah that it's the I, only other one we got to work with especially when i mean when you're talking about people like stanton and judge and people who hit the ball really hard you can sort of see maybe a decline there if they've lost three or four miles an hour over the course of a couple of years but yeah you're right how hard you hit a ball does matter how we quantify that has is problematic 
Yeah. Anyways, I'm willing to say that it's not clear that he was, like, nursing a terrible injury sapping his power all year. At least I'm, like, saying he didn't do that the entire year. But then you look at things like his sweet spot rate, 31.4%, significantly lower than it had been at any season since since, uh, 2016. And, yeah, so he'd been sitting in, like, the mid-30s, above 36% or so for a couple years, and then it drops 3%. His line drive rate... Um, he'd been sitting in the 29s range down to 24. So yeah, if you're thinking like a good portion of his contact is suddenly just a little bit worse because of a little bit worse luck, or maybe he's just, maybe his pathway to decline is like, instead of striking out, he's just making less good contact. Maybe you can tell yourself that, but it doesn't typically look that way. So yeah, I, I looking at this, I'm actually kind of interested in Rizzo. I'm very interested to see who's going to take a punt on him and like where he lands because I don't think he's like washed or anything. The other side of things is like how great has he been in the past couple of years? Pretty good. <laughs> like he was still had a 3.39 Voba this year. That's not bad. Like he wasn't washed. It's just like some things broke poorly That's for contextual, him. Contextual, right? I would love to know what his Rizzo left on base rate. Or like the left on base, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like how long yeah, was right. he coming up with people in front of him? That's that's a really interesting thing. I can't quantify. You know, it's like both of these stats we pulled up. There's probably a good way to turn them around. You can pull up sweet spot rate and line drive rate for pitchers, and like you look at the top and the bottom of those leaderboards, and there are some interesting names in both directions. Mm-hmm. Everything here still works. Like Lucas Giolito, thirty-seven percent sweet spot rate this year. Uh, that's definitely not going to happen again. The dude's definitely going to be better whereas you see at the very bottom walker bueller who didn't actually have that great of numbers definitely one of the best sweet spot rates this year so maybe his con maybe his ability is that he can generate awkward contact but he's still giving up a lot of hard awkward contact it's it's confusing <laughs> yeah, you know, guys right. like max freed also live in that realm can you sustain it maybe but those are actually a lot of the guys that i'm kind of like down on are the guys who are really 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 low sweet spot and line drive rates as pitchers last year so that's the thing that i'm kind of like gonna continue to look for and i should probably write about um but it's not too hard to go like <laughs> grab some of these lists yourself and that's kind of what i hope we do on our best days is we we make it really easy for someone else to do it for us right that's hopefully what our listeners are doing is hearing oh that's that's what they did i'm going to go do that myself um fan graphs and and savant they can be very overwhelming if you haven't done it but you you do learn by doing and by listening and by trying uh okay i want you to give me your top three stats that are uh lucky for hitters for hitters yeah so i'm gonna say the things that i like to look for um i like to look at line drive rate though sweet spot rate basically interchangeable i'm gonna give those one spot together um a thing i really like to pull on savant like whenever i have the time is i like to go pull um the woba minus x woba for hard hit balls and then also for line drives separately so it's basically you go check out how good defense had been against players when they were doing things well um last year i found some really interesting stuff on uh tommy fam about a month into the season when he was getting dropped by some people that he'd just been really unlucky i picked him up he was really good for a couple months he had a somewhat poor end of the year but like he was playing well, the results weren't coming, and then suddenly they were. Same thing happened for Kyle Tucker. That's a really, really fun stat to pull in season to kind of find the guys who shouldn't have been dropped, but were. So, so those are. We'll, we'll circle back to that for sure. Make a note, put that down somewhere, right? Yeah, I mean, that's like similar to like <laughs> Woba minus X Woba. 
And obviously the same idea goes there. I just want to make sure I'm pulling it specifically on like, you know, the they did a good at bat sort of stuff. Um, see yeah, if yeah, people yeah. are like good process, bad results, because that's a really fun thing to pull. Okay. And then if I one need a, more one more lucky stat. If I need to have a um I, I don't honestly games played, if we're gonna be honest with ourselves. Um oh, okay. yeah. I mean I don't have a good last response there, but you know, we will definitely talk in the future a Didn't little bit. Didn't go more. with Babip there, I'm surprised. I thought that's I mean, but thinking. that's what I mean, that's what Babip's kind of getting captured in the say. other thing else, you know? And sure. the second thing is like basically my Babip version. It's like, I want to see how many line drives yeah, are hitting gloves. Fair. Yeah, that's fair. So, that's, okay. That's what I'm thinking about. Top three skills based stats for hitters. And then we're going to bring this uh, episode to a, a conclusion strikeout rate, walk rate. And then I would choose hard contact rate because it, it's so quickly reliable, hard hit per PA. I'm trying to again call it that because it sounds nicer off the tongue. Um, but yeah, basically I want strikeout right walk rate and then a, a contact stat and in that order. Probably. All right. Well, hopefully that was a lot of actionable information in this episode. And uh, you can go ahead and look at those pages and look at those specific stats and sort them and click them and, uh, you know, reach out to us. Uh, if you have any questions, happy to answer to my ability. And when I can't, then to forward you on to Alexander or you could go straight to him. Uh, that's always an option. You can email us uh, dugoutstudyhall at gmail.com. And uh, that's going to bring us to the end of the episode, Alexander. Thank you for uh, for sitting through this one with me. And uh, welcome back after our, our, our hiatus being apart last time uh, with Clegg. He was disappointed, so we're going to have to have him back on when, when the two of you can go ham on some some stats. <laughs> yeah, it was good to hear y'all. Um, we also, like, it's been weird. Like, we had our um, Ted Lasso episode before that, so we want to talk baseball yeah. in a hot minute. Um I know I had some people ask to talk more about the article I wrote about uh, hard contact rate and like how hitters move in percentiles. And I will say, um, I'm sure we'll talk about some of that, probably sprinkle them wherever else. In the aftermath of that, I've had some people kind of like ask me to like run some stat cast queries or ask, like, hey, like what's this number look like for these things? I do have like this nice tool that comes out of that where you can kind of pull like a pie chart for every hitter where it'll tell you how often they struck out, walked, or hit by a pitch, um, hit the ball hard or hit the ball soft in this nice pie chart form that also compares it against like the average of the people who actually play uh, instead of like league average that involves pitchers. So there's some fun tools in there where you can pull a lot of this data yourself and it's really undaunting. Um, and I'm trying to make sure I can like anything I use listed at least somewhere so you can also find it. So uh, yeah, if you want to find some of these things I'm quoting and it's like, something you'd have to run a stat quest query for it might actually be in like the tableau that comes off that article it should be really easy to like bookmark or just like go back to whenever you want it and pull it yourself why don't you uh make sure i have the right one send it to me and we'll put that that link in our show notes for this episode as well uh, absolutely so people can yeah. can find that all right well like i said good to have you back thanks for uh doing another one of these uh silly dugout study hall episodes with me and uh, if you could just let the people go ahead and know where they can find us. Well, they can find you on Twitter at the corked Matt. I'm on Twitter at Chase underscore rate. And most importantly, you can find our podcast on Twitter at Dugout Study Hall, where you can send us some questions. Please be sure to subscribe to the Pitcherless podcast feed if you haven't done that already. Leave us a good review if you can be so kind. And if you're not already, please consider becoming a PL Plus member so that you can harass us on the PL Discord. And that's it for me. 
All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll catch you next time.